This is CliffCentral.com. 360biz on CliffCentral.com. It is 360biz.com. My name is Deborah Homafori. Welcome to another exciting installment of 360biz. It is a beautiful Wednesday evening. You know that whenever you hear us on air, we've got nothing but the best for you. This is a show that brings you subject matter expert. We bring in regulators. We bring in um, industry champions. And most importantly, we bring in game changers. I'm particularly excited about today's discussion with some of the guests that we're having today because this is a discussion that actually came out from a roundtable discussion that we had yesterday um, with the gentlemen that are here. But thank God that we've got a lady, um, you know, in studio that that has joined us. Uh, I'm not alone in studio. I'm with Tonya. How are you, girl? Hi, I'm well, thanks. Hi, everyone. <laughs> are you well? I'm so well. No, good yes. things. Um, tell me, for you, what is particularly exciting about today's discussion? Um, so today's discussion for me was very close to my heart because I think African youth need to hear a little bit more about how uh, uh, organizations are structuring um, as, well, structuring policy, especially for SMEs, to help create sustainable growth and, and a sustainable environment for them to thrive, mm-hmm. specifically 100% black-owned um, SMEs. So our panel here... Like, I mean, we've got the best of the best because we have people who have varying opinions and we've got Mfon here who's going to give us a little bit more about the behavioral um, side of people who want to start on, uh, on to, or who want to venture into entrepreneurship. So, yeah, it's going to be an exciting show. So are you confident enough to call them the best? I am very confident to call them the best. Okay, no, I guess let's head right <laughs> um, into it then. I mean, on today's t- um, topic is one that you don't want to miss. I mean, we are discussing how we measure impact of small businesses in today's economy. Our first guest is Garabo Mashokane, who's the founder of 2020 Inside, a company that assists in small business development by helping with company diagnostic, business plans, turnaround business strategies, as well as business performance reports. And we've got as well our second guest, Mr. Tatun Tsiare, who is part of the STEP Advisory Management Consulting Firm. He's currently part of a team that is developing our impact investment portfolio and assessing the execution of special projects. I know he is the impact manager as well um, for mining investment company. He was one of the guys that was hosting us yesterday on, our, on the round table. Our next guest, we've got Mr. Emmanuel Mudlul, who's going to be joining us telephonically. He's already on the line. He is the COO of the uh, Black Umbrella, a non-profit enterprise development incubation organization, partnering with the private sector, government, and civil society to address the low levels of entrepreneurship and high failure rate of 100% uh, black-owned. I've got a good friend of mine, they not new on the show, uh, last time I had the opportunity of having the CEO himself. Today I've got Joseph McGarry, who is the Head of Stakeholder Management, Marketing and Communication and Fundraising Functions for Catalyst uh, for Growth. And more than anything, I'm excited to be having, um, last but not least, a sister of mine who's a dear friend of mine, Miss Mfon Ekpo, who's the CEO of Discovery Center in Nigeria, an institute uh, professional with degrees in maritime law. Business law, journalism, neuro linguistic programming, project management, and negotiation. She is a certified behavior consultant and the executive uh, director of the John Maxwell team. I've had an opportunity of actually sharing the stage uh, with him. Fun. I'm looking forward to actually her bringing an African perspective onto the show. But without wasting time, let me go straight onto the line with Mr. Emmanuel Mtulu, who couldn't join us on the show. Emmanuel, how are you, my brother? Good evening, man. I'm good, man. Uh, welcome yeah, to the show. <laughs> yeah? I didn't hear that? 
Oh, you're also listening online. No, it's good. It's now. Yeah, yes. yes. Um, Emmanuel, do you want to take this opportunity to say hi to our listeners? Tell us who you are and what is that you do? Uh, good afternoon, listeners. Um, I'm the Chief Operating Officer of uh, Black Umbrellas, um, an enterprise and supply development provider that uh, helps to nurture and develop 100% black owned small businesses across uh, South Africa and the continent through a three year incubation program, primarily. Uh, Emmanuel, we've had an opportunity of sharing a roundtable discussion with you yesterday. And um, you've had some very interesting insight with some of the challenges and struggles um, that SMEs um, face, particularly in South Africa, since you guys you work in the SME space. Uh, do you want to perhaps give us an overview as what was the highlight for you for yesterday and what stood out for you? The highlight for me was that there is, it seems to be considered effort uh, from organizations such as ours and others similar and even um, corporate South Africa, like for example, the uh, MIC, to um, move forward the conversation about the, the development of small businesses and moving them forward to play a more meaningful role in the economy and a more central role in the economy. Um, other highlights as well, where obviously all of us agree that fundamentally there's a challenge with funding of small black businesses to, to help them grow, and that is a big challenge that we need everyone's input from government to uh, corporate, to the banks, to the GFIs, to um, uh, ESG funds, and to all role players that have the ability to help fund small businesses to help them grow and become meaningful businesses of the future. So that was um, a key highlight for me as well. So, um, I mean, um, Mr. Mdluli, you are a partner entity to the Cyril Ramaphosa Foundation. So I shouldn't think you should be having the financial problems that we have in ordinary people on the street, correct? Uh, I'm saying I think you shouldn't have the financial problems that we ordinary people on the street have. <laughs> no, we, we, we do because we're a non-profit company um, as Black Umbrella because all the, the funds that we receive go to the operations in terms of ensuring that we develop and measure obviously the small businesses and um being an NPC uh, requires us to go out and raise funds to ensure that we continue to keep our doors open as an organization and ensure that we have an even greater impact and work with more small cap businesses across the country and the continent. So it is a, it is a challenge because we depend on grant funding, on uh, enterprises applying uh, development donations from corporates and obviously working with other partners from government as well, like the jobs fund. So it is a struggle that we face as an organization, but it's something that we Working really hard to sort out because we want to make an even greater impact and help even more more black businesses to succeed and become sustainable in the long term. Okay. Um, um, Mr. Mutlulu, there's a small business that is listening um, that thinks they can benefit from some of the offering that you're offering um, within your organization or within your NPO. Uh, where can they get hold of you? They can get hold of us at www.blackumbrellas.org. Okay. Um, thanks a lot for your time um, and for joining us. I know I took you out of the meeting. I appreciate you coming out. I'm hoping next time we'll get to have you in studio. No, definitely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Appreciate it.
Um, it is Mr. Emmanuel Mdlulu, who's the COO uh, of the Black uh, Umbrella. We we had a conversation yesterday in terms of the roundtable mm. as to some of the challenges um, that SMEs are facing. And we were hosted by the mining investment company um, that I've got an opportunity of having Neo here, and Tato, sorry. Um, who's going to tell us? I, it's a question that I should ask him to say, Tato, uh, for the longest time as mining investment company, you guys have been focusing on investing in big businesses, distributing a lot of millions. And right now, why the certain focus? Do you want to focus on small business? So I think for the longest time, uh, predominantly I say, I think on the, um, the founding principles of what the Mine Workers Investment Company was aiming to do was that um, we had uh, a key focus on supporting our constituents, which are the, the members of the National Union of, of Mine Workers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was our focus. So from looking at that perspective, the view early on was how do we maximize the return um, as best as possible while managing risk? So for the most part, our view was on investing in the, the much larger businesses. And as time has gone on and we've realized that, you know, we've developed an, uh, a strong investment competence, uh, we've recognized that um, as much as we are designed specifically to benefit um, our constituents being new members first and foremost, but we also as a corporate citizen within uh, South Africa have a greater responsibility to support the development of the, the country as a whole. So we've taken the initiative specifically to look at an area called impact investing, which looks at um, businesses that are addressing not only um, getting a financial return and getting a return for its shareholders, but also impacting the, the larger society. And um, uh, and what we're finding is that within the South African landscape, a lot of those businesses are still fledgling, are still um, uh, operating and trying to find their feet. So we've realized that we need to allocate some of our capital a little bit further down and support them through that growth. And through all of those initiatives, we'll be able to see exponential growth in uh, job creation and in the various social ills that they're trying to address. Mm. So with the roundtable yesterday, would you say you've achieved what you wanted to achieve for the day yesterday? Yes, I think, uh, yesterday was very successful. I think, I, I think I mentioned to you yesterday that I really liked the fact that at the end of the day, we closed with what are the action points? What mm-hmm. are the things that we are looking to, to, to address? What are the key areas? And because a lot of the time, a lot of these, um, uh, events can end up being, uh, a sharing of opinion, but, uh, the, the, the crux and the key points of what we think we need to address, mm-hmm. uh, don't come out. And I think what I was positively pleased by is that the majority of the points are being, ad- were being addressed in one form or another within the room, barring, I think, regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a whole, I think, um, it showed that there is a concerted effort to try and address some of these issues, as Emmanuel said. Mm. I mean, speaking of concerted effort, Garabo, you are in the space, um, of, of, um, Transformation um, and working with organization from a BE point of view and, and enterprise development. So now, I mean, yesterday one of the things that came out was that uh, there's a failure um, rate of about eighty percent within small businesses, um, you know, in the country. Um, but now, for you as an expert, um, what do you think are one of the things that really, um, you know, influences such a high failure rate? Uh, th- thanks for having me, uh, first of all. Uh, look, I, I think the, the, the critical cause of failure is uh, a lack of 
I suppose, managerial and business management skills uh, for a lot of the entrepreneurs. So when you look at number of small businesses, the Department of uh, uh, CEDA, the Small Enterprise Development Agency, mm-hmm. released a report uh, for the first quarter 2018 on uh, SMMEs. And with upholding numbers, we must add. Yes, yeah, so we know with two point four, about two point four million SMEs in the country, mm-hmm. uh, you have about one point zero five of them that are in the informal sector. And then also, when you look at then the uh, education level of of the guys, you find that uh, about one point two six, one point two seven million of them are run by people without metric. So that, that that's gonna. In, in terms of understanding how to manage a business and being able to handle finances and mm-hmm. handle all the various functional areas of a business, I think that creates a major challenge. And it is, you know, some of the symptoms of that then become that, you know, these people are not able to attract markets, to get into markets because they won't be able, a lot of them will struggle to define a competitive value offering, you know. Mm. And uh, number two, also that they will struggle to then attract financing because funders won't be able to trust them in terms of giving them funds, and they won't be able to also pro- put forward a compelling case to a funder, to a bank, to understand what a bank is looking for when they give you funding versus what a private investor or some, an equity investor is looking for. Mm. So I think I think those are the, the the key things, and really at the heart of it is that is the unemployment rate in the country, you mm. know. Uh, with 8.9 million people unemployed in South Africa, they say about 6.2 million are still looking for jobs. But a large number of these people, unemployment for 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 people that are without metric is 56%. So it's showing you that a lot of these people are then trying to start businesses, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of them informal businesses, uh, but without necessarily the skills. I mean, it's one thing being an entrepreneur, but, you know, to manage and successfully grow a business and provide... Uh, quality jobs and sustainable jobs i think there's you know it's a there's a science to the art of being an entrepreneur mm. and i think uh, that needs to be studied and if you have people that are undereducated and underqualified uh, with you know very low levels of experience it's going yeah. to be difficult i mean from what from what you say you're saying there's two things that that are standing out for me um that um, for now, i want to bring you in on this discussion um, in Nigeria, uh, Garabo spoke of informal trading. I know in Nigeria there's a lot of informal trading. When I went to Nigeria, from the minute I stepped out of the airport, in fact, from the minute I got off the plane, trading starts, you know. Um, and, and, um, in the midst of high unemployment rate, um, as well. But you realize that trading there's like it's a way of living. So are you having, in terms of small business in Nigeria, are you guys having the same problems that we have in South Africa? Well, I think it's like a general problem across Africa. But what we've also realized is that we might also be making things difficult for people by labeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for instance, what are the metrics banks use? What are the, what are the, where we have borrowed from the West the labeling. Okay. The labeling of what profits are. The labeling of what profits margin Profit margins are the labeling of what a successful business is. Mm -hmm. And so for the longest time, we have told people their businesses are failing when it's not. Different systems, different approaches. What is profit to someone in the West? It's not profit here. So, for instance, I I was just having a discussion this morning. Um, The old business books, the business books of the traditional economy are different from the business books of the knowledge economy. And we literally in Africa have to start rewriting our business books. Mm. So we've been told cost price minus selling price is equal to profit or selling price minus cost price is equal to profit. Mm -hmm. In Africa, there are some businesses that have been running on what we consider losses for 15 years. Mm -hmm. 
And so we're like, okay, let's start, let's start relabeling these things instead of telling people you're running at a loss. What is a loss according to us? Okay, but a loss, I guess it's a business that's not making money. Well, you see, that's when we, when we say a loss is a business that's not making money. I don't necessarily agree with that. Okay. What, what, is, what is a loss according to <laughs> Because a, a, a business might not be making as much as it's putting in for the first three to five years. Okay. But then in the sixth year, it suddenly, you know, picks up. Yeah. And so, but we tell people, oh, the metric for how a failing business is in the first three years, if you're not making money, then you shut it down. Mm. Um, how, how, how about we take like, we started now collating our own data, which is what we didn't do before very True. well mm. and say, Okay, the business in Africa that have succeeded, uh-huh. did they go through a series of loss for a period of mm. years? When did they pick up? What made them pick up? What mm. are the metrics that are um, special to us? For instance, I cannot actually calculate what my profits are in Nigeria because I'm dealing with things and conditions that people in the West are not dealing with. I don't know how much I'm ever going to pay for light mm. in a given month. That's I cannot true. even plan it. I don't know how much I'm going to pay for fuel because there's no light. I'm going to buy a generator. Nice. I can't plan. There's some things in Nigeria yeah. that I can never plan as my overhead costs. Yeah. No, you're, 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 you're raising a valid point because reality is growing up in the, in the township. Um, there's a lot of family owned businesses that have been running for years. Absolutely. They managed to sustain those families. They managed to send kids to they school. They managed to pay school They fees. managed to pay, do you understand? But they're not running on big profits Absolutely. that, that, Absolutely. um, you know, that you could be able to account for from a balance sheet point of view. Let me bring you, Joseph, in, um, on this discussion. As Catalyst for Growth, mm. you're running a, a, a unique and, and different organization. Yes. Um, the way you, you measure Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, let me not let me not say what you do. <laughs> Tell us oh, what you do as Catalyst for Growth. Well, Catalyst for Growth was was born out of uh, something that uh, the gentleman from MIC spoke of. Tato. Tato. Mm. Yeah, the, uh, the government has created this very enabling environment for SMEs to to be the best version of who they can be through triple BEE, mm-hmm. right? And corporate citizens are, are coming on board and contributing um, to to making this a reality. Um, by, you know, setting aside a portion of their revenues, etc. Um, but with all these billions of rands coming in, there wasn't really a, a set framework to monitor and evaluate, um, the real return on impact of what this was. And, and that, that was the birth of, of Catalyst for Growth. So JP Morgan together with Dalberg, uh, they came together and conceptualized what is now Catalyst for Growth, mm-hmm. um, and and so J P Morgan and and, and, and Dalberg, they funded us to to create this uh, analytics platform, and uh, this digital analytics uh, it's a monitoring and evaluation analytic platform that um, strives to create collaborative learning um, and and promotes evidence based decision making pretty much. Uh, so monitoring and evaluating, like you're saying, so that we start to understand what exactly is happening on the ground, what what is the return on on impact, if we want to call it that. Mm. Yeah. So. So that that's yeah. in essence what Catalyst for Growth is about. Gotta remember, it came up in our conversation yesterday to say right now we don't have a measuring stick, mm-hmm. um, you know, for some of this fund that um, mm-hmm. that has been put in these businesses, and 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 right now there's Catalyst for Growth. That's mm-hmm. why I wanted to invite them in, for them to 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 come in because they're already doing it, but now they find that corporates are are wary of working with them. You know, because they think they're thinking what you're going to expose them or tell us a bit about (laughs) it. Well, look, um, 
there's there's a lot of education that needs to be done. Okay. Um, because it it you know we're saying we're an NPO. Um, we we do not have skin in the game, so to speak. So we're not a player and a referee. But what we're striving to do is ours is a learning agenda, and and we're saying let's let's work together, let's collaborate, and understand the impact that the work you're doing is is having, mm-hmm. right? And and let's look at the data that we're getting from that, and let's understand. So what are the learnings, and how can we move forward? Um, and so it's it's I guess it's explaining that and 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 educating on the value of collaborative um, learning within the ecosystem to say, open yourself up to me, be transparent to me. I'll be transparent to you. You've got, you've got um, um, uh, mechanisms that my mechanisms can, can add value to. And, and together we can, you know, grow the economy together in a better way. So I think it's the challenges in, you know, uh, scaling that mm. education. Yeah. Mm. Why do you think we have such challenge? Look, I think, uh, you know, it's a, a Quite a few corporates are still looking at this as a as a CSI sort of thing. It's just mm, a compliance mm, thing, mm. Uh, and a tick yet, box exercise. Yes, and and yet when you look at the the integrated reports, uh, you know you've got uh, very uh, I suppose rich claims about what has been achieved. Mm. So uh, I think people will be a bit wary of having somebody punch a hole in that. You know, uh, mm. but I think. What is critical is that the, the information that then Catalyst for Growth provides mm. uh, is an is a is a critical sort of feeder into what needs to be you know if we a quality management system. Mm-hmm. So if we all agree that uh, small businesses are the are the key to job creation in the country, uh, and that we need to grow them, then then uh, we 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 need to we need to really invest in how do we do this. Mm. And uh, you know we mentioned in our discussion yesterday that. What is required is also a body that will then almost be like an industry regulator to some sure. sorts, uh, but mm. that then sets the quality standards mm. where you would have uh, service providers, etc., subscribing to it. And if you're not a member of that, then you know, then that says something about maybe the quality of the service you're mm-hmm. able to provide. And then they can monitor in terms of ethics, in terms just like your normal sort of bodies that will do in other industries. So mm. I think Catalyst for Growth can become a, a, a ex- extremely you know, useful input into that process. Uh, but what's missing still is this part of saying, okay, you know, we need a body where we said, you know, barriers of entry are very low in the industry and in mm. enterprise and supply development. Uh, but, you know, we don't necessarily want to increase those barriers, but where the people that are coming in and interested in providing the service, because I think we need more and more people to come mm. into it. Can we have a body that will at least provide guides in terms of how do you go about doing this? How do you set up an incubator? What is the best process in certain situations mm. for a startup or, an, you know, how do you take an informal business mm. and formalize it? Because the, the the big risk with informal businesses is that they don't provide that financial security to the people. True. You know, so as we said, that when then the business owner, you know, gets injured and is not able to work uh, or when they reach retirement age, then they have to go back into the, the, the to depend on the state, you know, mm-hmm. and they become a burden on, 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 on uh, social grants, etc. So we had uh, in the quarter one report by CEDA, they said, uh, you know, the number of small businesses actually decreased uh, by 1.4%, which is, uh, you know, we, uh, and I suppose that's then translated into uh, what we see with the unemployment figures in the country. So we really need to, to, to put in, I think, government would do well. We have a, a Department of Small Business Development in the country. would do well to create the sort of repository of knowledge and best practice and stuff uh, and then get fed information about what's working, what's not working, 
by companies like Catalyst for Growth. Mm. So, um, Tato, tell me, um, the skepticness of big business. Um, you are big business. You you sitting with a couple of <laughs> is it is it billions? Now, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> in, and, in and around there. In and around there. Yes. <laughs> so 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 now the the skepticness of of big business though to to open themselves up, um, just like because I think small businesses are opened up every day. Do you understand? And 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 for me, I would think for 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 big business, especially that puts in a lot of money in the industry. You'd want to know if you're getting value for that money that you're putting in. And you want to know that whoever that you're sourcing, um, being a garabo, you know, he's able, you're getting value for money from the services that he's offering in terms of, um, you know, impacting that small business from a growth point of view. Mm. So I think for me, the question or what I want to know, um, from you to say, do you, do you, do you see a big business, um, opening up, um, themselves up? Um, for that, for that opportunity, or they just happy making it a tick box and putting money and knowing that they're getting points. So I think with, with big business, um, where the challenge comes in, um, is that if you take, for example, the JC, for example, uh, the companies listed on there have a, a large number of stakeholders. True. So it's not just, um, us from as, as the public, but there's pension funds involved, the shareholders, both locally and internationally, you know, there's the employees that you're accountable to, you know, and, and, and all those things like bonuses at stake. Mm. So there's so many comp, uh, complications. So, um, those big machines are difficult, you know, it's like uh, steering the Titanic. It takes ages to change yeah, direction. I can imagine. So I think from the perspective of, um, of getting them, uh, getting big business to change its mind and change its view on SME development and, and, and to be a bit more uh, forthcoming, I think, um, it'll, it takes a lot longer. And that's not to say that there haven't, there haven't been strides, but I think it'll, it takes a lot longer for something and organization, organizations of those sizes to, to, to make that shift. That also being said, I think, um, and I, and I mentioned it quite a lot, I think yesterday was, was the element of measurement and metrics. And I like mm. that, uh, some of the, the panel members have measured, I mean, have mentioned things like data, you know, and are we measuring the success, successful businesses correctly? Mm. And I think we can even take that down to CSI. You know, I think we, in terms of measuring, it was great that we're saying, okay, how much money are businesses plowing into CSI? Mm. You know, and, but then the focus was when you're looking at metrics and measurement, we've only looked at how much money is going in, mm. but we never or hardly ever asked, the, asked ourselves the question, what's the throughput after that? And I think, um, the more we begin to focus on uh, spending the time and digging deep in terms of how are we measuring success? You know, uh, what, what do we consider as success? And I think once we've got that answer correct, and then we hold big business accountable. We hold smaller business accountable. I think you'll find that a lot of organizations will begin to change their view on, on, on what, um, and on how to plow these monies and how to invest them, uh, and how to apply them to the various problems that we're facing in South Africa. So I think we put a strong emphasis around measurement and metrics and hence why, from our perspective, impact investing came out 
of that because with impact investing, it's not just about financial return. We, we, we're investment pro- uh, professionals. Mm-hmm. We're very clear on what ROI means. We're very clear on cash flows. We're very clear on EBITDA multiples. So we understand the financial side. But we recognize that, you know what, from our perspective, a successful business goes beyond just what money can return or, or how much money we can get out of it. But it also goes to how is it improving the lives of South Africans? Yes. How, is it, how is it improving the lives of society? Mm. And we're actively engaging so that we can find out and determine the metrics. And I think what we're also looking at is the the understanding that data is a powerful tool. And the more that we share, the, the, the more baselines we have of what success looks like from a healthcare business, from an education business, from a, from a financial services. And if we are able to share that data, and I think I'm in support with what Catalyst for Growth is saying, that the, the, for us to plug in and allow data to spread freely amongst us, it just means that we'll be able to do what we want to do better. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where some of the mentality has to change. And I think if I can speak for MIC, in that to get to this point, I mean, we had a couple of sessions, we had strategy sessions and back and forth. And then after some time, it was like, wow, this makes sense. So I think uh, if other organizations can embark on that journey to understand that, you know, that decision point or that uh, line in the sand around data is not about, is not always about, you know, getting a slap on the wrist, but it's actually about improving your decision making. Mm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, speaking of improving decision making, Van, I know you, you deal with a lot of, um, professionals, executives, entrepreneurs, and ordinary people in terms of, um, helping them, um, make better decision, um, for their businesses and for their lives in general. Maybe let me ask you this. What are you particularly doing in South Africa at this time? <laughs> Um, and, 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 yeah, what are you doing in South Africa this summer? Awesome. So I'm doing a seminar called The Blueprint of How. Okay. Um, I realized over the number of years of like consulting for government and for businesses mm-hmm. that most of the time what we do is we touch the tangibles. Okay. How to write a business plan, how to present your ideas to a bank. Mm-hmm. And we've completely left the intangibles, fear, culture, the paradigms, how people have been taught to do businesses. Um, and it, most of the time, the intangibles, again, back to what he said about data. It was only when we started collecting data. Why haven't you started the business you said you'll start? You now know how to write a business plan. Mm. You now have access to this money. When people act, we started actually listening to people and collecting data on the intangibles. We realized that there was no course that taught on fear, mm. how to get over the fear of starting a business, mm. how to, how to explain the entrepreneurship journey, how to get people from ideas to, to birth in this thing. And so we then came up in my organization with a seminar called the blueprint of how, and we've taken it around Africa. So South Africa is the last bus stop. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So we took it to West, the East Africa, North Africa, and South Africa. We've also done this in the U S and the UK. And the problem is the same. It's that we don't have enough Material on dealing with the intangibles and the intangibles affect the businesses quite a bit more than even the tangibles because once you sort out the intangibles, um, the tangibles kind of sort out themselves because look, you can Google for the tangibles. If you want to write a business plan, Google is your friend. If you want to do um, how to get a bank loan, you can Google it right now, mm-hmm. but we don't have as much information about the intangibles. So for instance, because I deal with more executives and CEOs in that, 
I also realized some of what they even referred to was what we've now coined as the success prison in the sense that they've grown in their careers to a certain level. Then they get to that level. For instance, I was executive director of the one of the largest youth organizations in Africa. And I was like, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. But I'm trapped in this career that I have built. The salary is good. <laughs> yeah, it's mm. good. Security. <laughs> However, one day I wake up <laughs> and I'm like, is this what I'm living for? Is this all there is to my life? Mm. But I don't know how to transition. I don't know how to start a business. I don't, I don't even want to fail during that because mm. people know me as this. And That's I realized so there was yeah, no one so the successful people yeah. would go to to say, I'm afraid of failing. Mm. And so that's why we started doing this. Yeah. Karama, how many of us are struggling with those problems? Though? Uh, look, I mean, I think it's a, it's a big problem. Uh, it, it has been overlooked. So I think it's, it's great that somebody is actually focusing on it. Uh, you know, one of the, the key things that we're looking at right now in, in, in a program that, that, that we're busy with is, is to do that. As I said, you've got a lot of, uh, relatively undereducated people that are trying to start businesses mm-hmm. out of desperation. Some of them do make a, a level of success mm. of it and they work for a year yeah. or two. But yeah. L- what, look at that. The undereducation, the undereducated one struggled to start. Ne? And the educated one struggled to leave. Well, <laughs> yes, well, they actually, they actually start, but it's almost out of desperation because, okay. you know, uh, you know, uh, the, the alternative is you're sitting at home very well. They are survivalists. Anyway, yes. Mm. So how do you get them from there towards formalizing their businesses and growing it? And we're mm. saying, look, you've got a lot of people that are sitting in the corporate world that are professionals that have skills in various functions of management mm-hmm. that are very highly qualified. Mm. But, you know, it, sometimes it's not just the fear. It's the reality of the fact that you've got kids in school. Mm. Uh, you've got a bond to pay. You've got, mm. you know, car payments. You've got an obligatory uh, annual, you know, overseas trip or whatever mm. it is, right? <laughs> so so you, you, you can't afford necessarily to take that risk because of the obligations that you have. True. However... People like that, what we're trying to do is to get them involved, to partner them then mm. with these uh, small business owners mm. to say, look, you've got somebody there who doesn't understand finances. You are sitting there and you know finances very well. So mm. a lot of people are, are, are happy with their lot in life, but they would really like to have a, a business where they've got a personal stake in, where they, you know, a legacy that they can leave. Okay. And so we're providing that avenue to say, okay, nice. uh, uh, here's a partner with this business, assist them at a, at a, you know, you don't have to come in full time, but you know, weekends and, and, and after hours and that sort of thing, you can look at their financials, you can help them with financial projections. If you're a, a CMO at a corporate company mm. or whatever, you can help this, you know, as long as there's no conflicts of interest and stuff, you can help this SME. And now quickly, and then, how, how how do you source them? How do you source these ministers? We we have a, a, a currently we have a, but a partnership with uh, patent personnel okay. that we are uh, so they the people that they have placed and that they know have they've received positive feedback from them then they mm. they will you know when we need somebody we'll go to them but uh, I mean we also you know just people when we discuss things with people and say this okay we you know we'd like to be a part of something like this so they can get in touch with us and uh, and we can see if we can match them with small businesses that. Are in line with you know what their skills levels and things and their skill the area particular area of skill mm. and in that way I think we can greatly improve the the, the success rate of the SMEs. Okay, Mfano would also like to be part of the blueprint of how. Mm-hmm. So when is your event? It's on Saturday, November twenty fourth. Okay. Um, it's mm-hmm. on uh, the twenty second on Sloan. That's the venue. Okay. Branston. And oh, so it's a, it's around the corner from here. It's not yes, fine. Yes, around the 22nd corner. Twenty second Sloan, yeah. Yes, and so those who want to register can either go on uh, 
theblueprintofhow.com mm-hmm. or register on Quicket. That's Q U I C K E T dot C O dot Z A and type in blueprint. And how much is um, ticket? It is two thousand five hundred rand. Two thousand five hundred rand. Okay. And um, Garabo, for people that want to get onto the program that you spoke about, whether being small businesses, whether being mentors like ourselves. Um, that want to be participating, um, where can they get hold of you? Uh, they can just, they can go to our website, uh, 2020, that's 2020, mm-hmm. insight, dot co dot za, or alternatively, they can call our office on 011-234-8998. Okay. Are you hosting anything in Samson? Uh, in terms of functions and things, mm. no, we're having a Christmas party. But <laughs> <laughs> that's not for the public. <laughs> okay, then we'll, we'll, we'll be waiting our invite soon. Um, um, Joseph, you, 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 we, I mean, clearly it has come out to that, that some of the data that, that you've, mm. you've released, um, it's very important. Mm. I know you've also printed a report. Yes. So there's there's somebody that that maybe that is listening. Um, I think maybe give me three important points that stood out for you in that report and tell us where we can get it. Okay. Um, three points that stood out. One, like uh, Karabo just mentioned, um, discontinuation of business um, has primarily been because people are going back to get a formal job. You know, um, so yeah, we concur with that. Mm-hmm. Also, um, access to finance. Um, there's been a, a big mismatch. In terms of, 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 of the training and the capacity building, um, that's being touted as access to finance training and what SMEs are actually saying they're receiving. Mm-hmm. And also, um, they, you know, there's no one size fits all. Okay. Um, we, we call them SMMEs and we say there's a program design, which is set modules, but for a micro survivalist, um, and a, a tech startup, um, the the thinking is not the same. The, the the level of understanding and grasping of concepts is not the same. And so I think we even in those programmatic type um, um, programs, we need to start finding ways of customizing it and and localizing it to to our audiences. Um, and then in terms of getting the report, um, you can go to www.catalystforgrowth.org mm-hmm. and um, go to the resources tab and download the report. Mm, okay. No, and um, repeat uh, catalyst for growth. Catalyst for growth. F O R for growth. Okay. Dot org, um, and go to the resources tab, and and I think you'll get all the information that you want there. You can get our 2018 annual report, uh, which was looking at the the role uh, of of BDS on 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 SME performance, mm-hmm. um, and then you can also look at some of the historical reports that we have from 2017. That was our beta report. Okay. So so there's a wealth of information that you can get off our website. Is it? Are you hosting anything? Um, we recently just had our Cape Town launch uh, last week Thursday on the 15th. Oh nice! Um, it? it it went quite well. Mm-hmm. It, it went quite well. Um, so yeah, but we'll keep you posted. We should be hosting some stuff soon. But uh, get onto our newsletter, uh, our mailing list, mm. and um, you get all the information you need there. No, definitely. Uh, Tato. Yes. We won the money, chief. We won the money. So so now, um, I know that you've got uh, what is it in your sea? Yes. In your um, quickly tell us about in your Yes, so Ingos Empowerment, um, it, it, it arose out of a partnership between uh, Stella Capital and um, the MIC and the USAID actually is also also part of that partnership okay. uh, when we first launched. So um, And 
Basically, it it came out of um, the advent of enterprise applied development mm-hmm. and, 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 and specifically that. But what we re- realize is that um, us as investment professionals, um, we want to assist businesses, but we assist in a way that that, that that's aligned with our competence. You okay. know, so um, we recognize through this partnership, and uh, we have a, a shareholding within uh, Ignosi, and Ignosi specifically provides debt financing to SMEs, to small mm-hmm. to medium-sized enterprises, and so we've used that vehicle to assist businesses with their ESD points, and at the same time. Um, we specifically have loaned out um, uh, to, to, to small to medium-sized businesses. There have been successes such as uh, Cellulo Technologies, which was probably one of the And you said you're going to bring me is a is in your, is in your, uh, uh, in your Yes, yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll chat to the guys. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they're not radio shy. Yeah, but nice. I'll speak to I'll speak to them so they can tell the story with all the details and the successes and all the all the information. Okay. So then, for somebody that is listening that wants to get hold of you, um, where can they get hold of you? Sure. I mean, they can go onto our website, which is, uh, my, and you can Google it easily. It's Mine Workers Investment Company, mm. or you can email me directly. I'm happy to share my email. It's tato at mic.co.za. Okay, email. Yeah. yeah. Mfun, uh, where can people get hold of you? Uh, blueprintofhow.com, um, project at the blueprint of how, mm. or project at the discoverycenter.com. Pretty mm. easy. And then, of course, there's social media. So I feel like social media is like, oh, slide into my DM now. <laughs> so yeah. I'm on Echo One and Instagram. Just slide into my DM. Okay. No, definitely. No, thank you, ladies, uh, lady and gents, um, for, for coming through to the show. Uh, I'm going to definitely be bringing you back uh, onto the show, but this time maybe on individual when we're having different discussions. We usually close off the show in style. Um, there's somebody that is on the verge of giving up. So I want you to give me a 30-second word of inspiration to somebody that is listening, that is on the verge uh, of giving up. Are we clear? 30 <laughs> seconds. So are we, where are we starting? Are we starting with Tato? Are we starting with you? Oh, okay. I like the confidence. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. uh, so your 30 seconds starts now. Yeah, look, I mean, I think uh, myself, I've learned that, you know, perspective is the most important thing in life. And... Usually when you're going through things, you know, the perspective you have is, is can be removed from reality. So to just consider that there might be another perspective that you're not seeing and share, uh, especially with people that have been there that have done it before. I always say if somebody says they want to mentor you, they want to be a mentor, you must look at them. And if that's where you want to be in five, ten years' time where they are, then you know listen to them. So I think uh, just try and get a different perspective and from the things. And a lot of the times the solution will come to you. Mm. Joseph? I I think um hard work and smart work pays. Um so so do your due diligence due diligence. Uh put in the work. Uh make sure you 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 cross your T's and dot your I's um and and keep at it. Uh and one way or the other one door will open. Definitely. Fun? Uh well, many times we want to give up because the options we see look bleak. Um but what I've come to realize is that life has options you know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Look for it. Look for it. Keep looking. Nice. I like it. Tato? Um, you know, there's a, there's a saying that I once came across that said, uh, smart people, uh, learn from their mistakes and wise people learn from the mistakes of others. So I would say, uh, strong advice to anybody who is going through a challenging time is that they should seek to open up, share that they're struggling and 
first and foremost, seek advice because it's more likely than not that there's someone who's faced the exact same challenge that you have, someone who's faced the exact same problem, and they'll be able to guide you and assist you and give you tips on how to handle it. Nice. Definitely, I like that. This is all that we had for you right here on Cliff Central. My name is Debohoma Fodi. And catch us again next time for another exciting installment uh, of 360. If you've just joined in, you can always go to www.cliffcentral.com and go to podcast to actually catch the exciting show that we have. This is all that we have. And for me, in closing, what I want to say is that um, your networks are your net worth. Uh, the people that are in studio, they're part of my network. They are my friends. At the end of the day, information is key. But up until you go out there and look for information and ask you will not get. So this is all that we had for you today. Catch us again next time for another exciting installment of 360Biz. My name is Deb Homafori. We out. 360Biz on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.